Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, episode 133, Why Successful Leaders Should Reinvent Themselves. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success. On the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And right across from me, as always, is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pam. It's great to be joining you again for another episode of Growth Igniters Radio. And as always, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for visionary leaders to accelerate themselves and their companies to their next level of innovation, growth, and success. Now, Pam, our regular listeners know that the CEOs and C-suite executives that we feature on Growth Igniters Radio are driven by a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about purpose, though, is that it can be expressed in many ways, not just in the position that you happen to have now. And in fact, we're seeing an uptick in visionary top leaders of growing companies who are proactively reinventing themselves and their careers to fulfill their purpose. Way before they are ready to go anywhere. That's right. But they're still in the minority. Right. Many others are not reinventing themselves because, quite frankly, it's not a top of mind thing. We're successful. We don't need to do anything. Yeah, we're busy. That's right. So we're going to talk about why even the most successful leaders need to take a proactive, mindful approach and be begin reinventing themselves. And our guest today has literally written the book about this topic. She is keynote speaker, author and consultant, Dory Clark. Dory is principal of Clark Strategic Communications. She's an adjunct professor at Duke University's Fuqua School of Business. She's the author of Entrepreneurial You, Reinventing You, and Stand Out, which was named the number one leadership book of 2015 by Inc. Magazine. A former presidential campaign spokeswoman, the New York Times described her as an expert at self-reinvention and helping others make changes in their lives. Dory's a frequent contributor to the Harvard Business Review, and she consults and speaks for clients including Google, Microsoft, and the World Bank. She's also producer of a multiple Grammy Award-winning jazz album. <laughs> That's great. You can read more about Dory by going to Growth Igniters Radio, episode 133. Dory, welcome to Growth Igniters Radio. Hey, Scott. Hey, Pam. Thanks for having me. So you are certainly an example of a person who's reinvented herself. Your book is a fascinating read. I love it. Thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about this journey. What has surprised you along the way, especially? Well, you're you're absolutely right. There's been a lot of reinvention. I, uh, I actually started my career as a journalist, and I assumed that that was what my career was going to be. But uh, just a year into doing that, I ended up getting laid off. And unfortunately, as uh, as was the case in a lot of the, the news industry, I looked around and there were not newspaper jobs to be had. Uh, between 2000 and 2015, close to 40% of American journalists lost their jobs. And uh, therefore, that precipitated a lot of reinventions. Mm -hmm. uh, so in my case, I had been covering politics. So I transitioned into politics and became a, a spokesperson on a number of political campaigns. 
Uh, then I ran a nonprofit and eventually, about 12 years ago, started my own business doing what I do now with writing and speaking and teaching and consulting. But through that reinvention that that I did and uh, beginning to look around and, and notice that it was becoming increasingly common, uh, it really sharpened my understanding, uh, which research has now borne out, that reinvention is becoming a foundational skill for professionals of all kinds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it could be if you're if you're forced to change your job like I was, but also even if you're at the same company, even if you're in the same position, the world is changing and you need to be able to adapt and stay ahead of that. Absolutely. So this whole concept of reinvention, do you see yourself continuing? I mean, it seems like this is not just a once and done. For you, it's it's continuous. I know for us, it has been especially. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is an ongoing process. Um, one of the, the frames that I use to talk about this uh, as a result of all the, the interviews and research that I've done about it is essentially the difference between capital R reinvention and, uh, and what I call lowercase r reinvention. Hmm. Um, so capital R reinvention is the, the big, uh, you know, the big incidents that people think about. It's, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I got laid off or, oh, I've decided after, you know, 20 years, I'm going to change my career or something. Mm-hmm like that, the sort of disruptive moments. And those are those are exciting, but oftentimes they are a little uh, traumatizing because they're they're <laughs> yeah. big, they're abrupt, they're uh, they're sort of a disjunct. Um, but what we all can do in order to make things easier, smoother, to make those transitions uh, a lot more graceful and a lot less painful, is to become masters of the lowercase r reinvention, which is the ways that on an ongoing basis, just as part of our habits, you know, how we how we live our lives, to continue pushing ourselves just enough, you know, just a little bit outside of our habits or the ruts that people might normally get into so that we are continually expanding our skill set, expanding uh, our comfort level, which enables us to be to be much more ready and more flexible when a, when an opportunity arises that we can seize or that we uh, that we need to jump on. Okay. So that really speaks to the point that Pam made at the beginning is that a lot of executives don't do this because they don't really think about it. It's not a part of their mindful experience. So what you're saying is that if you think about this before you have to do it, you're going to be more prepared for those big disruptive events, but you're also going to be enriching yourself all along the way. Is that why you wrote the book? Yes, I was originally, of course, in- inspired by my own experience, but that was really just the starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout the course of researching Reinventing You, I talked to dozens of executives who had reinvented themselves in successful ways. And I realized that there were commonalities, that there were things that they had done. And during my own reinvention, I was sort of making it up as I was going along. I was kind of Uh, floundering Mm -hmm. a little bit. And I really didn't feel like I had a roadmap. And I, I thought, you know, if we could provide one for people so that they could go through this process in a smarter and faster way, that might be something very valuable for people to enable them to take what can be a rather traumatizing experience and instead enable it to feel a little bit more in control and therefore a lot more exciting and and optimistic as a way of seizing this new opportunity. 
See, I like that a lot because for the people like myself and Scott who are possibility driven, you know, you want to know that there is a next and a next and a next. It just doesn't stop. And uh, that's the way we formed our careers, both of us. So we are seeing this trend and it's proactive. Why do you think that this is becoming more common now? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons, and they differ slightly. In terms of the proactive reinvention, the, you know, I want to try something new, I think that there has been a real push in our culture toward the attitude that that people should be working to fulfill their dreams. You know, I, I think that that most people have bought into the ideology, which I, I think is a good thing, that we shouldn't be unhappy at work. You know, if you're if you're mm-hmm. doing something that is not that doesn't feel right or doesn't feel fulfilling, that we should have enough autonomy in our lives to be able to say, no, I actually I want to change things to be a, a place that uh, that's exciting for me or where I feel like I'm doing something that has meaning. So that goes into the whole idea of being purpose driven. And when you're purpose driven, you feel more fulfilled and you also have a better idea of where you're going. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And then on the, on the other side, you know, what I'll call maybe the more reactive or circumstantial reinvention. Of course, uh, everybody knows that uh, the disruption is is accelerating pretty rapidly. I mean, we've all heard the statistics about the uh, the churn rate of the Fortune 500 and how yeah. quickly companies are are moving into it and moving out of it. And you know, we've we've all in our own adult lives seen these uh, these pillars, the you know, the circuit cities and the blockbusters and the borders falling. And as a result, uh, there there is a lot of disruption. The the sort of implicit contract that, that employees had in the past with their employers has shifted. Uh, industries are changing. And so whether somebody is getting laid off or whether their industry is, is just kind of um, stagnating, there's a lot more room where people are, are saying, oh, you know, I, uh, it looks like I'm, I might need to do something different because – the field that I thought I was entering in 1980 or 1990 or 2000 or even 2010 uh, is pretty different. And so as a result of that, we need to be a couple of steps ahead so that we are the actors rather than the acted upon. And the interesting thing is some of the things that drive that churn, technology, for instance, and the internet, are also enablers that permit one to more easily uh, execute that reinvention. Yes, that's that's exactly right. Uh, you know, for, for for any change, there's uh, there's always a, a, a positive and a negative that that goes with it. And so, on one hand, we might be uh, wringing our hands about uh, the the loss of the this the so called you know steady stable job. Uh, but on the other hand, if if you've ever been interested in things like working from home, <laughs> working mm-hmm. from remote, uh, you know, having the opportunity to, uh, to 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 really sort of strike your own deals and your own opportunities, this is a, a pretty amazing chance to do that, or to run a company that has a distributed workforce and that takes advantage of uh, you know these these price differentials and the opportunity to get the best global talent. That's right. And in fact, we're also seeing that people are moving into fields that they totally never might have uh, thought of before. So moving from for-profit to non-profit to education. I mean, there are so many ways to reinvent yourself. 
We're going to take a quick break right now. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Dory Clark, author of Reinventing You, about what makes someone successful in the reinvention and where to start without jeopardizing your current success. Stay with us. This is Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. On the web at businessadvance.com, we enable successful companies to accelerate to their next level of innovation and growth. We'd like to welcome our many new listeners. If you're not already subscribed to our Growth Igniter's community, you can get even more value by signing up. You'll receive reminders of our new bi-weekly podcasts, along with a link to a page filled with all kinds of resources. And on off weeks, you'll receive a thought-provoking Growth Igniter's post, a two-minute read. So go to growthignitersradio.com and click the red Sign Up Now button at the top right of the page. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Scott and I are talking today with Dory Clark about reinventing you and all the possibilities that come with that. Dory, now I know that you have uh, a free download that people can take advantage of. Can you tell us about that and how they can find you? Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, it is true. I have uh, an 88-question entrepreneurial you self-assessment. So if people are interested in these questions about how they can be more entrepreneurial in their thinking, how they might perhaps even set up a side income stream for themselves, even if they are uh, a very happily employed staffer at a company, uh, which which I personally think is, uh, is a good idea for any executive at any level, uh, they can get the 88-question entrepreneurial use self-assessment for free at doryclark.com, D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.com slash entrepreneur. Okay. Let's talk more about how you get started. You know, we know that we need to proactively reinvent ourselves, but what makes somebody with a strong C-suite brand successful or unsuccessful in uh, his or her reinvention? So when it comes to questions of reinvention, I think there's there's a couple of things. Uh, one is that oftentimes we might feel like we're making really dramatic changes that, you know, be they feel big to us on the inside. But mm -hmm. oftentimes because other people are busy, they're not necessarily paying such close attention to what you're doing they actually might not even notice, which can kind of feel bad mm. if you feel like you're making this huge change. And, and yes. uh, you know, for instance, let's say you've been somebody who maybe has a forceful personality and you've been trying to, you know, be a little nicer and temperate. And the old brand that you have is so strong. If you mm -hmm. make subtle changes, it's hard for people to notice because they just expect that the old you is going to come uh, rearing <laughs> out at any moment. So for something like that, I think it is useful to, and this is something that uh, that the famed executive coach Marshall Goldsmith talks about. It's that it's very useful to declare proactively that you're making the effort to make that change, um, hmm. to, to to signal it, to call it out, so that people are on the alert to look for it. And also, there's a you know dose of humility required to say, hey, I'm working on this change. I realize I might actually slip up sometimes, and if I do, please feel free to let me know, to call me out on it. But this is something I'm working on. That actually 
prompts people to pay enough attention that they will start noticing that you're behaving differently. Um, so that's that's one challenge when it comes to reinvention. At the mm. other end of the spectrum, another challenge is when you try to reinvent yourself. This is perhaps particularly the case if you're moving uh, careers or you're changing functional roles or something like that. Mm-hmm. You try to make a change and other people kind of don't believe you. <laughs> they they uh. may yeah, they may question your credentials or say, "Yeah, what you know, what why are you doing that or what do you know about this? You know, is this mm-hmm. really a good idea?" And of course, we all want, we all hope that the people closest to us would be the people who would be the most encouraging. But oftentimes there are the people who in the name of being the devil's advocate mm-hmm. or, you know, only trying to help, um, they sometimes cast some aspersions on your plans. Yeah. And so it's it's important to, to recognize that you might get a little bit of blowback and to, to be prepared for that and to soldier through. So, Dory, what about somebody who is a CEO? Uh, they're successful and uh, maybe the board is saying don't do anything or you don't really want to let the board know what you're doing. Uh, You don't want to jeopardize your current success. Yes, yes. So this would be a situation, Pam, where um, give, give me an example of the kind of reinvention that you might be talking about just so I can contextualize my response appropriately. Well, it goes back to this this trend that we're seeing where people who are successful, they're leading their companies, but they want to do something else. Say they want to become an entrepreneur, a business owner in a different right, as opposed to, say, being the CEO of a larger company. Uh, I had one uh, gentleman that I was talking with who said, you know, I like this company. It's growing. It was growing so fast, Dory. And it was quite large from where he had started with it. And he said, this is not fun for me anymore. (laughs) When it gets a little bit larger, I'm out of here. And he didn't really want to signal that to other people. How does he keep his success and at the same time begin that transition? Yes, that's a great question. So ultimately, I mean, for people who are in less high-profile roles, of course, one of the things that, that one would theoretically advise is that if you have a desire for an entrepreneurial venture or something like that, it's pretty useful to start spending nights and weekends working on it so that you can test the premise, test the product market fit, and then only devote yourself more fully to it once you have that initial validation. Um, But it becomes much trickier if you're the leader of a company. The eyes are on you. And so there's a few advantages that, that you do have, though, of course. Number one is that if you are the leader of a company, presumably over time, you've been compensated reasonably well. Uh, so the uh, mm-hmm. so, so one, one advantage there is that for an employee that is a little bit lower down the rung, they may be very concerned about a, a gap in income between, oh my gosh, if I leave my job and then if I start a new venture, um, that could be you know pretty scary in terms of meeting the mortgage payments or what have you. You have theoretically, if you are the CEO of a company, built up enough of a of a nest egg that at least for basic expenses it there's not necessarily uh you know the the dragon breathing down your neck so you do have more flexibility in that regard 
Um, the other thing that I would that I would say you could certainly do, even if it would be a little bit too risky for you to start talking, for instance, to potential customers or something like that, is that you can begin to ask yourself, all right, what is the pivot that I want to make? Is it is it something else in this space or is it in an adjacent space? And you can take advantage of your current situation at the company to say, where do I want to start building my profile? Um, and oftentimes you you have you have some advantages, right? As the the CEO, you have credibility. You can often, for instance, get invited as a speaker at conferences. You can often attend, you know, lots of high level networking events, et cetera, et cetera. You can start writing op eds on topics and uh-huh. start building your thought leadership around that. So, you know, even if it's something that's a little bit of a pivot, uh, you know, let's say you're you say, oh, you know, I'm really into AI, and mm-hmm. you know, your company isn't an AI company, but maybe there's some tether, there's some connection, you can begin moving enough in that direction so that you're starting to build your credibility as a thought leader in advance mm-hmm. so that once once you do officially sever your ties and it, it becomes legit for you to start building your new company in earnest, um, you have enough of a pre-existing reputation that people, you know, won't be scratching their heads and saying, you know, what is this guy thinking? How weird. But instead they'll be saying, oh, well, you know, of course, yeah, that 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 makes sense uh, in retrospect because, you know, clearly he's known for his work in AI. Okay. So that goes back to something that we were talking about earlier, the idea of you have an established brand, you want to do something else, there may be some skepticism. What's the key to successfully building that transitional narrative, especially if it's a big reinvention? So I am a a big fan of content creation. Uh And uh, the reason that I think that this is so useful and in, in fact, underexploited, you know, I mean, many people might say, what, you know, everybody's creating content. But, uh, but, but really, I, I think as a branding tool, it's something that, uh, that even more people could be doing to good effect because it sounds sort of basic when you, when you lay it out and yet mm-hmm. very few people take advantage of this fully. If you want to establish yourself as a thought leader in the space, you can never do it. Unless you are sharing your ideas. Mm-hmm. If you don't share your ideas, people don't know what they are. <laughs> and yeah. That's true. They just, they can't, they can't congregate around them. They can't say, oh yeah, she makes so much sense. Yeah, let's, let's hear more from her. Um, a, a lot of times people just sort of assume that somehow they can, they can gain credibility without taking that step of publicly sharing their views. So I would double down on content creation, whether that is blogs, articles, speeches, podcasts, videos, you know, whatever the format is, it matters less. But sharing the content and sharing the ideas really gets you out there. And over time, it allows people to see with their own eyes that you know what you're talking about. So even if you're moving spaces, even if you're, you know, shifting industries, you know, they might say, oh, well, you know, she's a pharma person, right? What does she know about tech? Mm-hmm. But if you if you keep creating content that shows that, indeed, you know about tech, you are knowledgeable, you are thorough, you have a unique perspective, after a while, you're going to wear down even even the critics because it's rather incontrovertible proof. Yeah. In fact, it's interesting you say that because 
some of our earlier podcasts with Ken Lazat, uh, we have talked about why CEOs and executives should get out and speak and why they should write. And so we'll put links to those on the episode page as well. Excellent. Well, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Dory Clark, author of Reinventing You, about three immediately useful ideas for beginning to proactively reinvent your career without jeopardizing your current success. Stay with us. You are listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. We're on the web at businessadvance.com. Pam, we're talking about why successful leaders need to reinvent themselves. And one of the most important aspects of reinventing yourself, especially if you intend to move on, is developing a successor to whom you feel comfortable delegating. Now, this isn't easy because there's usually ambivalence and unaddressed issues that need to be faced. That's why we've written a Harper report called Keep the Success in Leadership Succession. This is a must-read report because it's both practical and focuses on some of the most critical and surprising executive team and board conversations that go into finding the best successor for your role. So to dig into this issue, go to growthignitersradio.com, episode 133, and request your complimentary copy of the report, Keeping the Success in Leadership Succession, in the resources section. And while you're there, check out our other free resources and episodes on Growth Igniters Radio. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been talking with Dory Clark about how you can reinvent yourself. And Dory, you have actually three books. I mean, we've been focusing on reinventing you, but it is a trilogy. Uh, how can people find out more about those books? And also, uh, you have that entrepreneurial assessment. Yeah, thank you so much, Pam. So the, the the three books are Reinventing You, Stand Out, and Entrepreneurial You. It really walks people through the process of how to reinvent their, their themselves into the job or the career that they want, how to become a recognized expert in their field, and then finally, with Entrepreneurial You, how to monetize successfully and really create, uh, create an income uh, and an income stream that is commensurate with the worth that you bring. Uh, so for people who would like to learn more, I actually, um, I'll mention what one other different resource that might be of interest as well. It's the standout self-assessment, which helps people figure out more about what their unique ideas are and how to share them in the marketplace. So it really hones in on questions of, uh, of personal brand and what you uniquely bring to the table. And so for anyone who'd like to get that, you can download it for free at doryclark.com slash join, J-O-I-N. Perfect. So this actually leads right into this section, which is the most immediately useful ideas. People want to get started right away doing something. So now you're talking about these resources. Let's talk about three of them, but one at a time. Yes. As we're talking about uh, about resources and about getting started, one of the, the most important things that, that I like to suggest for people to do is to, to think about their activities 
in a framework that uh, that I laid out in Entrepreneurial You, thanks to somebody that I interviewed named Michael Parrish Dudell. And that is to break your activities into mind share and market share. Basically, what, th- what this means is that too often for most professionals, we kind of double down on one or the other, and it doesn't really serve us well. Mind share activities are ones that give us... Uh, visibility, you know, sort of pr- promotional promotional kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, market share are a lot of kind of behind-the-scenes activities that pay the bills. And it, that's that's great. Obviously, uh, you know, you, you need to have a lot of that. But if you, if you double down on market share and all you're doing is just paying the bills, you oftentimes will find yourself a few months or a few years down the road, um, you know, maybe making a good living, but not enough people really know who you are or what you do. And so within the context of an organization, for instance, if you think about Mindshare, it's really a question of how do you get more people to, to know you? Are you spending enough time doing networking meetings you know, with, with people outside your immediate orbit? Are mm-hmm. you making an effort to get yourself known and heard more broadly aside from the people who just literally happen to work with you? Are you speaking at conferences? Are you involved in professional associations? What are you doing to raise your profile? Um, the payoff is much more long long term. You're not going to get dollars in your pocket immediately, but if you if you do some mind share activities in addition to market share, it sets you up much better for the future. And yeah. that's one of the big challenges that the people that uh, our clients are facing is their stress. They don't always have all the right people in place, and and uh, they do see that they want to be more proactive. They want to continue to develop themselves. It's a, a balancing act. Yes, that's that's absolutely right. I, I think it's easy for people to say, oh, I'm just going to do my thing. But if you want to be successful, you can't necessarily get away with just doing the thing that you feel comfortable doing. Yeah. You you have to be willing to do your job and also raise your profile uh, additionally. Otherwise, unfortunately, you're going to pay for it down the line. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're mindful and strategic, you can find those places to do that as well. Okay. Exactly. What's a second piece of a practical advice story? So a second piece of advice that, that I would suggest for people is to always think about how to question fundamental assumptions. Uh, and what I mean by that, there's there's actually a case study that I share in Entrepreneurial U about a guy, you know, speaking of podcasts, since we are on a podcast, uh, about a guy named John Lee Dumas, who's a well-known mm-hmm. business podcaster. And part of what made him successful was that in the early days, everybody told him, you know, podcasts are great. You're going to have an amazing time doing your podcast. You know, go for it. But one thing you need to know, you're not going to make any money from it. And that, you know, that was the truth, I say in air quotes, because even the people who were most famous and most successful at the time, they they weren't making money. So they were they were trying to give him good, honest advice. But what he realized, which other people were much slower to realize, was that because of the way that that podcasts are monetized, you know, if, you, if you're going to do uh, sponsorships, the, the number, the metric that sponsors look at is your number of monthly downloads. Now, it's right. not subscribers. It's monthly downloads. And so John realized that if he, instead of doing the typical thing, which is doing a, a weekly podcast, if he could do a daily podcast instead, now that's a wow. lot more work, admittedly. Oh yeah. But you s- immediately 7x your number of monthly downloads. 
And so by doing that, you know, even with the same number of subscribers. So by doing that, almost immediately, he was able to shoot his podcast up into the level that sponsors were interested. So he started bringing in money much faster uh, and, and much more successfully than anyone else had before. And it was really by just looking at that variable, that crucial variable and saying, wait a minute, what if I did something different? And mm-hmm. as you guys probably know, you know, he, he does monthly income reports. Uh, he right. shares his income publicly. I mean, he is making literally hundreds of thousands of dollars, usually between two hundred and five hundred thousand dollars per month from his podcast. So he's he's been able to just maximize it in the extreme by questioning assumptions. So you never know what's possible until you try it, saying why not instead of why. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. So, Dory, what's a third immediately useful idea. So the third one that I will suggest to you guys is uh, also one that's that's drawn from Entrepreneurial U, and it comes from my case study of a woman named Stephanie O'Connell. And one of the the resounding themes in, in the book, I, I think it's certainly true in entrepreneurship, but it's true in all facets of corporate life, really, is that for a lot of for a lot of initiatives, a lot of you know big things that people are trying, um, a lot a lot of why they fail, honestly, is that people get discouraged and uh, they say, oh, you know, it's we're not getting traction, and so they give up. And one of the the crucial aspects that you have to get good at is really understanding how to tell the difference between when something is not working and when something is not working yet, because a lot of people give up prematurely before they would have you know, been able to see any results. But if they yes. had kept on further, it, it, it may well have gone exponential. And so what I learned from in the process of interviewing Stephanie O'Connell for Entrepreneurial U is that she did a great job of, of doing what I call creating intermediate metrics. Uh-huh. Um, and in, in her case, you know, she, she was an entrepreneur. A lot of times people, you know, the metrics of success they come up with are these kind of grand ones, right? Oh, I'm going to make a million dollars or, oh, I'm going to be on the cover of, of Oprah magazine, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's, it's going to take a long time to get to that. It'll take years to get to that. And so when, when they see six months in, a year in, 18 months in that that hasn't happened, they say, oh, I must, you know, it must not be working. And they give mm-hmm. up. Um, instead, Stephanie did a great job of focusing on very clear, attainable metrics that that allowed her to track with far more precision whether she really was making progress or not. So, and, Dory, yeah. what would be an example of a metric that she would have used? So in her case, for instance, um, she built up her her brand and her business through blogging. And for, for a long time, for months and months, she was blogging all the time for free. And so for her, the first time she actually got paid to blog, even though it was twenty five dollars, mm-hmm. was a sign for her that she was making progress. Now, clearly, most people would look at that and say twenty five bucks. You know, what does that matter? But for her, it was the metric that wait a minute, somebody has noticed what right. I'm doing, and they say that it's valuable. Yeah, and I think for all of us in our respective businesses, if we if we think about it strategically, we can realize there are metrics that we can set up that show us that we're at least moving in the right direction. And that's what enables us to keep 
having the faith to move forward. Yeah, it's kind of the project management mindset where if you start with the end in mind, I want to do this. Well, what has to happen for that to happen? What has to happen for that to happen? Uh And down the and now you get to where you are, but you have a roadmap. And working backwards gives you that roadmap. So, Dory, do you have any final thoughts about this whole topic of successful top execs reinventing themselves? I think that in a lot of ways, successful executives have a special position. Uh, It may feel in some ways more intimidating to reinvent themselves because uh, they are already successful. And so therefore, it feels like they have a lot to lose in terms of money or status or or things like that. But a great advantage that they do have and can harness um, over almost anybody else who's in the reinvention process is there is well borne out in psychological research a phenomenon called the halo effect. And uh, psychologists have been aware of this for 80 plus years. And yeah. essentially what this what this means is that if you are perceived as good at or very successful at something, people tend to generalize. This is just kind of a shortcut that the human mind takes. And so they they look at you and they say, oh, well, you know, he's so good at this thing. He just must be good in general. And that's, of course, how we end up with, uh, you know, with uh, actors as politicians yeah. and, mm-hmm. you know, things things like that. So that's something that we can harness to our advantage. If you have been a successful business leader, uh, people are going to be willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. And if you couple that with a network that you hopefully have built over the years and uh, some of the financial reserves that you have built over time, that gives you a, a wonderful position of strength from which to reinvent. People want to help you. They are going to be biased in your favor in terms of of assuming that you can do it, and they want to help you do it. Um, So I I think that for people who are looking to make a reinvention of whatever kind, uh, whether it's a small pivot within your organization, whether it is uh, changing to a different company, whether it is starting an independent venture, any of those things are are very possible if, uh, if you decide you want to do them. Well, Dory, thanks again for being our guest today. Thank you so much, Scott and Pam. Thanks, Dory. And thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To check out resources related to today's program, download Dory's resources, share on social media, read her bio, or open a conversation with us, go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 133. Until next time, this is Pam Harper. And Scott Harper. Wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to reflect upon. So what am I going to do starting today to proactively and mindfully begin the process of reinventing myself? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper are registered service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated are prohibited. All rights reserved.